The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Hello, and welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today on Wednesday, May 17th. I am Frank Sample, joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Today on the show, Lance Lynn bounced back. Shane Bieber did the opposite. Jazz Chisholm is out four to six weeks, and Matthew Liberatore, a pitching prospect with the Cardinals, is getting the call and will make his season debut on Wednesday. Before we get into it, please like this video and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. Let's jump right in. Oh my goodness gracious! Chris, we're going to start with you, bud. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, we'll go with Luis Robert, who homered for the seventh time in the month of May. His, I believe, American League leading 12th home run of the season, which matches his total from 2022. And now, look, this this is sort of a dog bites man story. You know, we we all had Luis Robert ranked fairly high. I don't think the three of us necessarily had too many concerns about him, but it is nice to see that one Luis Robert is one home run away from matching his career high. Now he's never played more than 92 <laughs> games, 98 games in a season. Uh, but there were, I think some concerns that, you know, last year's power output might have been a red flag for him moving forward. And I think it's safe to say that that has not been the case so far. He's got a 15% barrel rate, strikeout rate back up a little bit, uh, second highest of his career. But with the quality of contact we're getting from him, you don't concern yourself too much for, for that. So, uh, yeah, just wanted to give a little shout out to Luis Robert, who um, seems to be becoming the hitter we hoped he could be. If you look at just the month of May, and this excludes what he did on Tuesday, his average exit velocity for the month is 91.2 miles per hour, and his barrel rate was 23.5%. So, uh, you know. It's pretty good. Kind of finally tapping into that that power, lifting the ball, uh, and obviously barreling it up. Luis Robert, well, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I had some concerns coming in this season, just can he stay on the field long enough? But sure. uh, so far, he's you know done a great job of that. He's hitting for a lot of power. Would like to see some speed, but... Look. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I hope yeah. he starts running more because that was part of the bargain. It was supposed to be uh, one stolen base so far. I mean, it's not like he's slowed down. He has 83rd percentile sprint speed. And as a guy who doesn't walk much and is hitting a lot of home runs, he's not spending as much time at first base, but he's spending enough that he should have more than one stolen base if if that's something he's motivated to do so hopefully yep. that changes looks like he's got between singles walks and hit by pitches he's got 34 of those three things so yeah you would expect more than one stolen base in that many opportunities uh i would imagine that's coming at some point but you know 
it's hard to complain too much here. Chris, did you read off all the main numbers for uh, Luis Robert? I did not, just the homers. Okay, so he's batting 408 with seven home runs and a 1430 OPS so far this month. That is Luis Robert. And 1442 Scott- after tonight. Oh, look at that. There you go. Good catch. Scott, let's uh, stick in Chicago. Who you got? All right. Going with Olive Garden breadstick today, old Lance Lynn. Old Lance Lynn. Boy, revenge week continues here. First with Chris Sale and now with Lance Lynn. Uh, had a great start. Had a great start against the Guardians. One earned run in seven innings, struck out seven. He did allow two unearned runs, so three runs total, but only one earned. And, you know, lowered his lowered his ERA to a cool 666 uh, Ooh, after after entering you know he entered the day with the worst ERA among qualifiers so that was much needed and is much appreciated because you know I've I've been among those saying to keep the faith in Lance Lynn that a lot of the underlying numbers don't look all that different it certainly doesn't look like a case of old guy being old his, uh, let's see, he entered the day with the second best swinging strike rate of his career and the third best strikeout rate of his career. And usually usually those are two of the numbers that crater if if old guy is old, you know? That's, that's where it shows up most, and it hadn't shown up with Lance Lynn. There had been concerns raised, ones that I can't dismiss, but... I'm not ready to substantiate either that Lance Lynn being a bigger guy. And and this has been brought up with Alec Manoa too. being a bigger guy is the pitch clock affecting him more than most pitchers. And uh, if you look at uh, his, his tempo stats on Statcast, this is apparently something else Statcast keeps track of Lance Lynn was having there, there was about five fewer seconds in between Lance Lynn's pitches this year versus last year, which is a lot faster. So he's having to work a lot faster than he's accustomed to working. And when was that having an effect? Again, I can't dismiss it. I'm not ready to substantiate it either. It's only a theory. My hope is, and I, there's good reason to believe, given the underlying numbers, that this is the start of a turnaround for Lance Lynn. And look, we brought it up before with him. Last year, it took him nine starts. Nine st- after nine starts, his season turned on the on a dime. He went from having like a 6.50 ERA in his first nine starts to a 2.50 ERA in his final 12. Well, this was his ninth start of the season. Doesn't mean it's going to play out exactly the same as last year, but we've seen his season turn on a dime before just last year. And I still think there's a lot of reason to have faith in Lance Lynn. And the biggest thing he'd struggled with in the first month and a half of the season was just giving up really bad quality of contact. 460 expected Wobon contact coming into tonight's start. Average exit velocity, hard hit rate weren't that far off from last year, but continuing to trend in the wrong direction. Um, But just when he got hit hard, he got hit really hard. So it's one of those situations where it wasn't just bad luck. Right, the first six weeks of the season or so when Lance Lynn was struggling, he earned that, right? 546 expected ERA, you know, the, the underlying numbers. Strikeout rate was better, you know, walk rate still okay, I mean, but it's it, it's it, rarely it's, it's rarely just bad luck. He did have a three right, right, X FIP. But that's what today. I'm saying, is that uh it was it wasn't just bad luck, but if there's one thing Lance Lynn has consistently been very good at over the course of his pretty long career, it's been suppressing hard contact and limiting damage when the ball is put in play. So that that's one where you would expect, given how long it takes for that to stabilize, you would expect him to regress to his mean pretty substantially. And, you know, I, I think that's, that's a reason to be optimistic, even though, you know, it, his struggles so far weren't just bad luck. And we said something similar about Chris Sale earlier in the season too, Chris, where he was getting bad results, but for the most part, he deserved those because he was allowing a lot of hard contact. So that's mostly been the case so far this season for Lance Lane. He did allow nine more hard hits in this game. The average exit velocity was 87.6. So 
Seems like kind of a mixed bag. Like he got a lot of soft contact, but maybe gave up some hard contact in this one. What I like to see was the fastball velocity was up a little bit. He averaged 92.9 in this one. That's exactly what he averaged last year. It it was down a little bit coming into the start. Zero walks, zero homers. Those are two things that have kind of plagued Lance Lynn all season as well. Just put a bow on this conversation. Uh, Let's say you guys could still buy because the overall numbers still don't look good. Would you guys be looking to do that on Lance Lynn? It's a lot harder to buy today, probably, because people have short memories with pitchers in particular. But yeah, I mean, if 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 I can buy him, if I can exchange like a Drew Smiley, I mean, Drew Smiley has great numbers so far. If I can flip him for Lance Lynn, I'm doing that. I mean, just check out my starting pitcher rankings. That's that's an easy call. Yeah. Yep. Uh, All right. Oh, my goodness gracious for me. I am going to go with uh, Bailey Ober, who turned in a quality start at the Dodgers here on Tuesday night. Six innings, six hits, one run, one walk, six strikeouts with 14 swinging strikes on 102 pitches. Did allow some hard contact in this one. I was watching the start and, you know, a few loud, loud ones that landed right on the warning track. So I think he kind of escaped some trouble here, but. Alas, the numbers overall this season have been great for Bailey Ober. 178 ERA, a .96 whip, right around a strikeout per inning. Scott, something I know you talk about a lot with him is he throws strikes. He only had one walk in this one. He's limited walks all season. He's getting a good amount of whiffs so far this year as well. Again, this is Bailey Ober. uh, But he does allow a ton of fly balls. Has only given up two home runs and five starts. So I think when we see bad starts, because look, this... There, there will be some. He's, you know, he's not like the best pitcher in baseball. Uh, it will be probably some of those balls going over the fence for Bailey Ober. He's up to 75% rostered, which is right around the same rate as Jack Flaherty and Michael Waka, who we spoke about yesterday. Uh, Scott, would you take Ober over both of those names? I would take him over both of those, even Jack Flaherty, who obviously had a dominant start last time. I have a lot of faith in Ober. I obviously... There's going to be some regression because he has a 178 ERA right now. But I do think he's going to be a whip specialist for sure with as few walks as he allows and as, as many fly balls as he allows. Like He's not going to give him many walks. He's not going to give him many hits. Will he give up a higher rate of home runs than the average pitcher? Yeah, probably. So there'll be some disparity there with his ERA and whip when all said and done. But like I like that he's gone six plus innings now, three starts in a row. Previous times we've seen Bailey Ober in the majors, the Twins hadn't let him do that. So it seems like they're taking the training wheels off here and uh, are willing to let him roll. Um, if you look at the expected stats for him, because there's hard contact, because there's a high fly ball rate, it's all the expected, all the ERA estimators are going to be a bit on the high side. But he is a pitcher who. Uh, throughout throughout his time in the majors has drastically outperformed the expected stats. And I think that's just I think that just goes along with his profile. So I have a lot of confidence in Bailey Ober and nope. think he's pretty close to most roster at this point. I, I had him as a sleeper pitcher against the Dodgers for this week. I can't remember as long as I've been writing those you know sleeper pitcher and weekly p- sleeper pitcher and hitter articles a time when I had a sleeper pitcher lined up for just one start against the Dodgers. And look at it. Look at it. Bailey Ober came through. Yeah, paid off too. And the Dodgers, uh, to their credit, against right-handed pitching this season, second in weighted on base average. So uh, yeah, a bit of a roll of the dice there, Scotty, but it works out well for you and whoever listened on Bailey Ober. Just want to do a quick bonus one. Chris, I know you wanted to talk about Shane Bieber, so uh, let's get into that. He had his worst start of the season at the White Sox. Four and two-thirds, 12 hits allowed, six runs, five earned runs, two homers allowed in this one as well. 14 hard hits, 93.8 average exit velocity. Uh, The ERA, still very good, 3.20 for Bieber, but the whip is now up to 1.22. He's well below a strikeout per inning. And uh, yeah, look, continues to allow a lot of hard contact with a career low 10.4% swinging strike rate. I'm not doing this for like victory laps, but just a reminder, like what we tell everybody on this podcast is, you know, that there's a method to the madness, right? Like we're not just telling you to sell high on Shane Bieber for the sake of it. It's when things kind of spiral, it's going to look like this because again, not getting whiffs and allowing a lot of hard contact. So uh, Chris, anything else you'd like to add on... You know, Shane Bieber's worst start of the year. Yeah, it's 
it's something we've been warning about for, you know, most of the season with Shane Bieber that, you know, the underlying numbers didn't quite back up what he'd been doing. His expected ERA coming into this start, 453, nearly two runs higher than his actual ERA. The, the thing about Shane Bieber has always been that he gives up a lot of hard contact. It's just that, you know, when he's going well, he strikes out a ton of hitters. He doesn't give up any walks. And so when he does get hit, it tends to be doubles with the bases empty or solo home runs, stuff like that. And so, you know, he tends to avoid the worst outcomes. But, you know, he's made some changes to his pitch mix that I don't think are really helping him. And I'm not exactly sure what's going on. His cutter today was his second most used pitch. He allowed four balls in play, 97.8 mile per hour average exit velocity, 97.5 mile per hour average exit velocity on his forcing fastball as well. And those have consistently been his two pitches, his two worst pitches when it comes to results over the past couple of seasons. And like, the forcing fastball you live with because you got to throw a fastball. You know, he, he, he's gotten away. He got, it goes down to about 30, 35% usage most of the time. But last year it was 30% slider, 18% curveball, 16% cutter. This year it's 30% slider, 25% cutter, 10% curveball. I think that's a mistake. And I, I don't, I can't imagine that Shane Bieber or anybody in the, in the Cleveland Guardians organization is listening, but let's maybe go away from that. I don't have a good explanation for why uh, that change has been made, but you know, we, we have to go back really to 2020 was the only time that the, the cutter's been his third most used pitch and not been a bad pitch for him. So don't really understand the change he's made, but that sort of gives me reason to be optimistic, right? Cause it might be as simple as, stop throwing that bad pitch as often as you are. So hopefully that's the case moving forward. I don't really have a good explanation otherwise, but yeah, that's uh, it's certainly, this is a situation where Shane Bieber definitely deserved a bad start today. Yeah. And I, I, I will say that Maybe part of the reason he's changed his pitch mix is the slider and curveball just haven't been as effective this sure. year. Not not in terms of missing bats anyway. Still like bad hitting statistics off of them, but more like a thirty percent whiff rate on both mm-hmm. rather than a forty percent whiff rate. And a forty percent whiff rate is tremendous. And and that's how he was able to get away with the big drop in velocity last year. Is he had two breaking balls that he was just able to live and die by. But that that was uh it's looking like that is a tight rope walk that maybe he's not going to be able to sustain now and here in year two of the big velocity drop for Shane Bieber. And of course it's, it's not, that's not a final verdict. I mean, he was coming off his best start of the season with nine strikeouts and uh, you know, actually prior to that start, I came out with that article seven sell high pitchers and Shane Bieber was the highest profile of them. And then he goes and has his best start of the season that might have caused me to clam up and, and not look to sell high on him either. So I get it if you if you didn't. But, you know, now he has this start, clearly his worst of the season. And by the way, two other pitchers of those seven weren't so great today either. Alex Cobb and Justin Steele. I'm just saying, just saying, hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully you at least put their names out there and shopped around a little bit, even if you didn't get an offer to your liking. Okay. Yeah, like two minutes ago, Frank was like, it's not, I'm not doing a, a victory lap. And Scott, screw that. <laughs> yeah, man. Rev up your engines. Scott's you, running you, around his house, taking laps. You gotta, you know, you get, you gotta, gotta put your money where your mouth is or whatever. <laughs> gotta show the people you mean business. Look, again, just a method to the madness. Don't go out. If you have Shane Bieber on your team, do not panic sell him. But if someone's willing to pay top 15, top 20 starting pitcher value for him, then yeah, it's still something that I would look to uh, be doing right now. Again, trade Shane Bieber for what he's actually worth. A quick shout out to Ronald Acuna, who is (laughs) just insane right now. He's homered in three straight. It's like every day he's hitting a home run 450 plus feet. He went two for four, hit his 10th home run. He had four hard hit balls. This home run was 114.8 exit velocity, 455 feet. 
He has the best plate discipline of his career, 25 walks to 27 strikeouts. He is 100th percentile, Ronald Acuna, in ex-WOBA, ex-BA, ex-slug, and he's 87th percentile in sprint speed. His current full season pace, 38 homers, 146 runs, 100 RBI, 65 steals. It, he's ridiculous. It feels like uh, 2018 Mookie Betts. You know, one of those years, like I keep expecting like, oh, he's going to slow down. And look, we're 42 games into the season, whatever it is, 42. Yeah, he's played 42 games. He's played every game for the Braves. Um, and I keep keep expecting like, man, he's going to slow down at some point. It just has not happened. And it it's one of those things that it might just be one of those years, right? Like Aaron Judge last season or Paul Goldschmidt last season, Mookie Betts in 2018, like these types of players. And we're talking about you know, Ronald Cunha is on a path to be, you know, a very, 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 very good player. I, I feel like I say the on a Hall of Fame track thing too often, so I won't say it here, but he's on a Hall of Fame track. And those yeah. <laughs> those types of guys, like, you look throughout history and there's like, you know, Joe Morgan has this big 11 war season and Mike Schmidt and like those guys tend to have the one year where everything goes right and it could just be one of those years for Ronald Acuna. He's a, he's a special, special player. Yep. He's been uh, amazing. He's the number one player in Roto so far. I didn't look it up, but I would venture to uh, say he's probably the number one player <laughs> in points so. leagues as well. Uh, but again, that is Ronald Acuna. Let's take our first break. When we return, we'll get into the Jazz Chisholm injury, another prospect promotion. We'll do that right after this. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's major time on the golf calendar, and the First Cut Podcast has you covered with comprehensive coverage of the PGA Championship from the Oak Hill Country Club in New York. Join Kyle Porter, Rick Gaiman, and the gang for daily recaps from Rochester as they follow the sports' top stars on their quest for the Wanamaker Trophy. Download and follow the First Cut Podcast wherever you find this one. If you're watching us live, we've got the QR code up there, and those guys do a fantastic job, so... If you're into golf and you want to get some some bets out there for this uh, this upcoming uh, tournament championship, uh, then yes, you should go check out the First Cut podcast. Let's talk about Jazz Chisholm, who unfortunately was placed on the IL with turf toe on Tuesday, retroactive to May 14th, and the belief is that he could require four to six weeks of rest and rehab. Garrett Hampson started in center field and hit leadoff on Tuesday. People will be out there looking for replacements, and rightfully so. Jazz was likely drafted as a top 50 player in your league. And uh, in shallower leagues, Scott, the names that stood out to me, Christopher Morell is 73% rostered. He has second base and outfield eligibility. So regardless of where you're playing Jazz, you can play Christopher Morell in either of those spots. And uh, Isak Paredes is someone who had a big game on Tuesday. He went two for three. With a double dong, five RBI, he's betting 289 with an 860 OPS on the season. Who would you rather have, Scott, Christopher Morel or Isak Paredes? I'd rather have Morel. I mean, if if you're if you're shooting for upside, like, and, and obviously you're you're having to replace a lot of upside here with Chisholm. I mean, if everything goes right for Morel, if we get Morel's best case scenario, it probably looks a lot like Jazz Chisholm. I mean, he he makes. Very hard contact. He's fast and can steal tons of bases. Big plate discipline issues like Chisholm, so you wouldn't expect much in the way of batting average. But like the best case scenario scenario for Morel is probably that good. He's he's not as likely as Chisholm to meet that best case scenario. 
But you have to when, when you're placing a, a when you're replacing a player of that talent, you have to uh, take bigger chances. Paredes, you know, he's he's going to provide some power. He's not going to play quite every day for the Rays because Rays going to Ray. But he he's you know a decent alternative too. If if you already missed out on Morel or or if um, I don't know. If you, if you have to go deeper than Morel, then he's a decent alternative. If you play in a really shallow league or maybe on a side other than CBS, there's a chance somebody has dropped somebody like Andres Jimenez. You know, so just like, you know, and I understand we we have to use roster rate to guide us because we have to draw the, the line somewhere. But second base has enough uh, redundancies that if it's a league without a middle infield spot, there's a chance somebody's dropped an even even higher end second baseman than the ones we're talking about. So of course, if that's the case, then that's where you look instead. Mm-hmm. And specifically with regards to Paredes, remember last year he had that three homer game in June. He hit looks like eight home runs in a span of about twelve games. From that point on, he had a six thirty seven OPS. So I, I'm pretty skeptical that you're going to get much of anything out of Isak Paredes. I think Christopher Morel is much much better. He's having a nice year so far, though. I mean, the sure. Homer game today, he was he was nearly among my ten sleeper hitters for this week. I removed him at I removed him, I forget who I removed him for, but I wish I had left him in obviously since he's starting with two home runs. Yeah, you probably took him out because he's facing someone like Justin Verlander, and nope, <laughs> you know, <laughs> goes you go. goes out and hits two home runs off of JV in that one. I was going to bring up Andres Jimenez actually as a as a buy low in a trade mm-hmm. situation if you are looking to replace Jazz Chisholm in that way. So I'm happy you brought up that name, Scott. I think if you drop down a little bit further in maybe a 12-team Roto League or maybe even something a little bit deeper than that, Orlando Arcia is 42% rostered. He went two, He had two hits, a double, and an RBI on Tuesday. His expected numbers are actually really good. I know it's a smaller sample size because he missed some time, but... You know, cheap exposure to one of the best lineups in baseball as well with the Braves. And Nick Senzel went one for four with his fourth home run of the season. He's 40% rostered. Chris, who would you rather have, Arcia or Nick Senzel in a deeper-ish league? I would rather have Arcia. You know, Senzel's doing some stuff well. You know, the expected batting average, 293, that's pretty good. Actually worse than Orlando Arcia's, and Arcia's also hitting for power. So I, I think he's just a, a better player overall. Okay. And on the trade front, I mentioned Andres Jimenez. One name I had written down as a potential buy high. People might not have realized how well he's played since he's returned, but Jorge Polanco, 283 with four homers and a steal since coming back. And the stat cast numbers look pretty good for him as well. And he's someone we liked before he suffered that injury in spring training and, you know, kind of had his season delayed. Uh, what do you guys think about a buy high on Jorge Polanco? Yeah. I mean, he's my number 17 second baseman. Well, Christopher Morel is 19. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you could do that, that's even better. Yep. All right. We've got another prospect promotion coming on Wednesday. Matthew Liberator will start for the Cardinals. He's going up against the Brewers. This is not an injury related call up, but it is a chance to give the Cardinals starters an extra day of rest. So I'm not so sure that he sticks around. I, I do have some skepticism there. And you might remember Liberator with the Cardinals last year. He was awful. He's kind of a new pitcher this year. The velocity is up. I feel like he's changed his pitch mix and he's getting more whiffs this year. Eight starts in the minors this season. 3.13 ERA, 1.17 whip, 56 strikeouts, over 46 innings pitched with a 14% swinging strike rate. Again, that's Matthew Liberatore with the Cardinals. He's 26% rostered. Scott, do you think this is a priority add in fantasy baseball? I wouldn't say it's a priority ad, no. I mean, even if we had assurance he was sticking around, I, I wouldn't say it's a priority ad. I've, I've written about him in a, a couple times in the prospects report this year because of those changes he, he's made because he looks like a different pitcher, getting more strikeouts and everything. There, there's there's reason to believe it's going to go better this second time around than the near 6 ERA he had last year. But I never saw fit to put him in my five on the verge, meaning one of the, yeah. the top five prospects that needs to be stashed ahead of time because his failure was so colossal last year. My and, presumption is there wouldn't be a lot of interest in him whenever he did come back. I'm a little surprised we're getting all these questions now. I think that just speaks to everybody's desperation for pitching. Yeah. That anybody who offers some semblance of hope is going to attract attention. And I get that. 
And like, you know, if you have a roster spot to play with, fine. But it's, you know, if you're, if you're debating Matthew Liberator versus Bailey Ober, it's no contest. You go with Ober. Yeah. Even like Louis Varland, I'd rather have. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think, Yuri Perez for sure. I'd rather have like Liberator. I don't know. He's he's had a weird career because he was a first round pick. The then he had the you know pitch two like partial seasons in the minors in 2018 and 2019. Didn't pitch in 2020. Obviously, got promoted to Triple A from High A or from Class A. But his minor league numbers are pretty pedestrian. I, I don't. Again, because he he might have a new slide sweeper and you know throwing harder this year, maybe there's more there. But I, I don't really see much to be excited about here. He, he, he seems like a guy who got hyped as a 19 year old dominating in low A and just yeah. kind of never lost that shine as he worked his way up the ladder. You know, and he jumped then, straight from low A to triple A because of the pandemic yeah. know, wiping out that minor league season. But it it was. He was a guy who I felt like prior to his call up last year, his his prospect stock had basically bottomed out, and now it's kind of it's kind of rebuilt a little bit. Yeah, to but the he, point that we're not just ignoring him now. Even that 2019 season, like 310 ERA is fine, but like less than a strikeout per inning, decent amount of walks. I just I don't know. Maybe he'll prove me wrong, but I don't I don't see much in the profile. I know Chris that you're a big proponent of. Obviously, the the larger sample size, but I do kind of buy into the velocity being up and him being a new pitcher this year. Whether or not that will translate in the majors, that remains to be seen. So we'll find out with Liberator. Do you guys remember how he got to the Cardinals organization, by the way? Was that the Rosarena? That's right. That's uh, uh, that's quite the trade there. It's more uh, Tampa Bay Rays magic, I guess you could say. But um, great trade, great trade on their part, obviously, and. We'll see if uh, Libertor can can get it going here on Wednesday. A few other waiver wire pitchers. We already spoke about Bailey Ober. Michael Lorenzen made it three straight quality starts up against the Pirates. Six shutout innings with seven strikeouts. 13 swinging strikes on 99 pitches for him. And Dane Dunning turned in a quality start up against the Braves. Six innings, one run, four strikeouts to zero walks. Did allow a good amount of hard contact. Obviously a really tough lineup that he was going up against. Velocity up across the board for Dane Dunning in this outing. Jared Schuster was okay on the other side of that game. Five innings, three runs, three strikeouts. But his velocity was way up across the board. Fastball up 1.6 miles per hour. The slider up 2.3 miles per hour. And Brandon Williamson, who we mentioned yesterday, was making his debut in Coors Field on Tuesday night. He actually pitched really well. Five and two-thirds, one run, six strikeouts. 10 swinging strikes on 72 pitches, had a five-pitch mix. Obviously, is is more of a soft tosser, only averaged 91.1 miles per hour on the fastball. But, Chris, we'll start with you here. Any names that stand out? Michael Lorenzen, Dane Dunning, Jared Schuster, and Brandon Williamson. Uh, No. (laughs) I'm I'm pretty underwhelmed by this group. I know the results for Lorenzen, and in particular, Dane Dunning. I don't know what's going on with the Rangers, but, like... Every pitcher has just been incredible for like the last three weeks for them. I don't really understand it. Um, maybe it's like a Space Jam situation and Jacob deGrom's pitching powers got put into a baseball and then everybody touched them. I don't know. But uh, I don't I, I don't see much with either Lorenzen or Dunning that is worth getting excited about. You know, Lorenzen, there's a little bit of strikeout potential there, but not enough. I, I don't know. Yeah, Lorenzen that's, is... That's, that's my general <laughs> feeling on all four of those guys. Lorenzen has allowed two earned runs total over his last three starts. He has made a pitch mix change this year, throwing a traditional slider uh, more. He's using it 18% of the time. That was only 4% last year. So a bit of a change there. I, I'm not overly optimistic. Dunning doesn't get a lot of whiffs, but he's, he's done a good job um, in terms of just limiting the hard contact, not in this start, but... Uh, generally entering this one. Uh, he has done a good job of that, and it uh, looks like he's at the Pirates next week, so a little bit more optimism there. Scott, anything you'd like to add on this group? Yeah, I'm to the point with Dunning where, and I had him as a sleeper pitcher this week. I had him as a streaming option yesterday, so I know I've been a little higher on him in general, but I, I'm to the point with him where I, 
Like I, I get the skepticism and more likely than not is probably going to fall apart. But you know, when you have, when you have a 169 ERA and 0.88 whip at this point, even if I can't detect what exactly you're doing right, you must be doing something right. You know? So I kind of just want to roster him until, until the magic wears off because maybe it never wears off. I mean, it didn't for miles Michaelis last year. Uh, it didn't for Tyler Anderson. I guess Tyler Anderson, we, there were clear things what he was doing. It didn't for Merrill Kelly. You know, maybe Dane Dunning is this year's version of that. And if you, if you never take a shot on that, then you never have a chance at that. Obviously. Sure. I, I think there's a difference between like, hey, add him and see where it goes. But like my expectation is he's a, a four plus ERA pitcher. Probably. Though I will point out 350 XERA so far. When yes. in the past it's been closer to 450, like you've said. Yep. Scott, anything on Brandon Williamson who made his Reds debut? Well, uh, you know we, we were we were dismissive of it because he had an ERA over at six over six in the minors last year. I will point out that before Bryce Miller got called up, he also had an ERA over six at AAA, and obviously that's gone very well as well. Brandon Williamson has had better years in the minors, years with a lot of strikeouts. I, I think the difference between him and, and somebody like Bryce Miller is that Bryce Miller has the big fastball. When Brandon Williamson, it's more, it, it's more a lot of different pitches, a, a wide pitch a wide pitch mix. Um, none of them are going to be like an elite offering, though. So he did get ten whiffs on seventy two pitches, which is a nice rate. Uh, but he threw 32% cutters, 31% fastballs, 18% sliders, 14% changeups. Interestingly, seven of the 10 whiffs came on the slider and changeup, which he threw a combined 32% of the time. So, like, that's that seems like a lower ceiling profile than somebody like Bryce Miller offers. So, I'm going to make that comparison and then I'm going to immediately reject it and say, uh, Brandon Williamson, while it is possible he becomes a useful fantasy pitcher this year, I don't think this first start is reason to rush out and pick him up. I I do want to say, because I haven't been on any of the Brace Miller podcasts yet, I don't know how you guys feel. I, I think he's a sell high. Um, yeah, I, I would agree me. with that. I feel like, like there's I, a lot of hype around him that's not necessarily justified by the skill set. And, and the whiffs haven't been there the last two starts, even though he's gotten good results. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't want to just completely undo. You know, it's it's one of those things that if if you're not capable of hearing nuance, everything I'm saying is just going to sound <laughs> confusing to you. Because I do think, I do think there's nothing wrong with holding on to Bryce Miller. He's probably yes. going to be an asset for you. But I I agree that the hype is probably exceeding what I expect from him at this point. And so from that perspective, it's not a bad idea to shop Bryce Miller. I think you use the right word. I think he's probably a better asset than a pitcher right now mm-hmm. for fantasy. A big test this week too, for Bryce Miller as he's going up against the Atlanta Braves, the, the toughest matchup that he's had yet. So we'll see how he fares in that one. A few waiver wire hitters, outfielders in shallower leagues. Lourdes Gurriel uh, hit his seventh home run here on Tuesday. He's batting three. Uh, I wrote this earlier, but he was batting 309 with a 928 OPS when I wrote it in. He's up to 78% rostered, so we're looking at 10-teamers in shallow 12-team leagues as well. Riley Green had three more hits, now has the overall batting average up to 293, and so far in May, he's batting 412. Still not lots of power here, but and lots of uh, lots of hits for Riley Green. Uh, he has three steals in the month as well. Michael Conforto had two more hits over his last seven games. He's batting 440 with four home runs. And Jaron Duran has slowed down a bit recently, but then had this huge game. Two for four with a sock and a shoe. The home run, 109 exit velocity, 417 feet. He's now batting 351 with three homers and seven steals. Chris We'll start with you. Uh, shallower leagues, Lourdes Gurriel, Riley Green, Michael Conforto, and Jaron Duran. How do you rank that group? I think I would go Duran, Gurriel, Green, Conforto. I think that's how I'd rank it. I don't know if that's what actually my rankings suggest right now, but that is where my heart 
is right now. Like Riley Green's doing some good stuff. Uh, he's hitting the ball hard. He's pulling the ball. Those are things that you want to see, but just hitting the ball too, on the ground way too much. Still 57.1% ground ball rate is actually higher than it was last season. Remember that was the big concern in the, in the spring training was, can he start elevating the ball and get the most out of his skill set? That's not what we're seeing so far. I think he's a useful player, but like, this profile right now is more like a latter day Charlie Blackman with a little more speed, which is fine. It's okay to have around, but not necessarily someone you get excited about. Duran, I think, is is showing the most upside for sure. And, you know, we, we've been hoping that he would start to tap into some of this because remember he had that breakout in the minors a couple seasons ago when he started elevating the ball a ton. We saw a big spring training from him. And then there was the weird thing where he was like on the Olympic team, but didn't go to the Olympics and he was away from the Red Sox and they didn't seem to want him to go to the Olympics. And this is a weird thing. And he never really got like a, a real chance in the majors, but I've been interested in his skill set. So I'm, I definitely have Jaron Duran at the top of that group. And it's a, it surprises me that he's still only 73% rostered. I mean, we went through a phase where we talked about him every single day. And again, I know he was slowing down, but, like this is what he's capable of. Just shows if, you what kind of sway we actually have, Frank. Well, and <laughs> if he had done this starting on April first or whatever, whenever opening day, March thirtieth, whatever opening day was, if he had been doing that on that date instead of, I don't know, April seventeenth or whenever. Oh man, that call, called that one off the top of my head. Nailed it. April seventeenth was when he made his debut. If he had done that on opening day, his roster rate would probably be close to a hundred percent. And so it's one of those things where it's sort of, to a certain extent, a trick of the schedule. And we get more excited about guys in early May than we do in, in late May and early or early April than we do late April and early May. I, I want to say this about Jaron Duran. I do have him at the top of this list of four as well, uh, because, you know, there, there's a there's a there's a, there's a diverse array of skills here that can make up for a lack in one area or another. Mm-hmm. And plus there's only such a high degree of confidence you can have in any of these players at this point. So I do have Jaron Duran number one on this list. But as you mentioned, Frank, come back, he's come back down to earth a bit. The exit velocities have normalized after being very high early on. Mm-hmm. His expected batting average is now 278 versus his 351 actual batting average. His expected slug is now 440 versus his actual 585 slugging percentage. So, I mean, maybe it's not breaking news that, okay, Jaron Duran is going to regress from these numbers, but how high is the ceiling actually? You know, we're not talking about a potential top 15 outfielder here. We're talking about a potential top 25, top 30 outfielder here, which is still certainly worth rostering off the waiver wire. But, you know, I just want to put that in perspective. I'm also starting to get excited about Lourdes Gurriel, who would be Mm -hmm. number two on this list for me. Because, you know, last year it, it was he, he struggled to hit for any power. Was it because of the dead ball or whatever? That was all we could speculate. But then we find out afterward that he had a wristage issue all year and he had surgery to correct it in the offseason. It's hard to generate much power when your wrist is hurting. And so now we're seeing his power look more like, like what we've seen from Guriel in the past. There have been some playing time issues this year, but he's now started seven of the Diamondbacks last eight games has Lourdes Gurriel. So he's he's to the point now where I think he's he needs to be rostered in most leagues, even of the three outfielder variety, probably. Yeah. So those are my top two. I, I would yeah, agree he's, with He's uh, two for five tonight, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few corner infielders. How do we rank this group? Ezekiel Duran went one for four, hit his sixth home run, and it was a shot. 443 feet. Kind of wondering where he's going to play when Corey Seager returns, but I, I think he played could, a lot of left field before Seager went down. Yeah. So I think he could just slot there on an everyday basis with the way he's performed. That's my hope anyway. Yeah, he's batting 292 with an 817 OPS. Matt Mervis went two for four with his first career home run, 110.7 exit velocity right down the line. It hit off the right field foul pole. Uh, Yoan Moncada went two for four with a walk, double, Two runs and an RBI. He's got five hits in four games since returning. And Casey Schmidt, he only went one for three, 
but had three more hard hit balls to 100 plus miles per hour off of Zach Wheeler. So pretty impressive uh, pitcher to do that off of. Schmidt is batting 452 early on. The average exit velocity, the barrel barrel rate, both of those look impressive so far. Uh, Scott, how would you rank this group? Ezekiel Duran, uh, Matt Mervis, Yoan Moncada, and Casey Schmidt. I'm going to take Mervis number one still. Slow start, but, you know, you get a pass for that. First stint in the majors. The fact he hit that, that, that home run 110 miles per hour, I think shows the extent of his upside. So Mervis, number one. I'll go Duran, two, by a razor-thin margin over Schmidt. And, uh, you know, obviously that could change quickly if Duran doesn't continue to get the playing time, I hope he gets. And uh, I'll go Moncada, fourth. And he's he's not that far behind the other two third-base options. I just have really no idea what to expect from Moncada. All right, and then in deeper leagues... Mickey Moniak has played three games with the Angels so far. He's got five hits, two homers, and two steals. I don't know how he's going to play. They cl- very clearly have three outfielders there. I mean, maybe it comes at the expense of like Taylor Ward if he continues to struggle. But, I mean, Moniak has been awesome so far. He was uh, performing really well in the minors as well. Kevin Kiermeyer no won't be DH, that's for sure. That's right. Kevin Kiermeyer had two hits, including his third home run. He is batting 327 with a 909 OPS so far. Jose Siri, one for four with a sock and a shoe. He's got a low batting average, but five home runs and four steals so far. Robbie Grossman went two for four with an RBI and run scored. He's hitting well recently. And uh, Gavin Sheets, one for five with his fifth home run, added three RBI. Chris, any names that stand out here? We're talking you know, 14, 15 team leagues with five outfielders or more. Uh, Moniak, Kiermaier, Siri, Grossman, and Gavin Sheets. Siri was showing some really interesting skills. I think he, he went on the IL after like the first week or two with a hamstring injury, I believe. And, you know, uh, he was showing some interesting skills. I think there's, you know, certainly f- the physical tools are very impressive for Jose Siri. The 32% strikeout rate, pretty tough to uh, overcome. Moniak, I mean, he's a former number one overall pick. It, it sort of reminds me of, you guys remember Tim Beckham randomly like having a decent <laughs> yeah. run with, uh, I can't remember if he was, he was with the Rays first and then the Orioles in 2017. And it was yeah. like, do we take this seriously? I don't know. But, you know, I, I think it's probably nothing. But I wrote him up in, I think, one of the waiver wire pieces earlier this week. So, you know, in in very deep leagues. Let's see. Good old. Now you got me looking up Tim Beckham stats, man. He had a 22 homer season. That's right. That's what I'm looking at. 2017 with Tampa and Baltimore. 22 homers, 278 batting average. Long live Tim Beckham. Let's take our final break. When we return, a little late for news and notes, but we'll get to it right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The news and notes, Taj Bradley is under consideration along with somebody named Cooper Criswell to start for the Rays on Wednesday against the Mets. Taj Bradley down to 73% rostered. Scott, are you looking to re-add Taj Bradley in shallower leagues if he was dropped? Yeah, I mean, I'd go for him over Matthew Liberator for Mm -hmm. a number of reasons. Agreed. Vlad Jr. will undergo an MRI on his right knee after leaving Tuesday night with right knee discomfort. Jacob DeGrom threw a light bullpen on Tuesday. He'll likely advance to more traditional bullpens in the coming days before going out on a rehab assignment, assuming he makes it that far. Fingers crossed. Tyler Glasnow threw four shutout innings with nine strikeouts in his rehab start at AAA on Tuesday night. Eloy Jimenez was cleared to run the bases and could resume swinging by this weekend. He's still at least a few weeks away after having an appendectomy earlier in May. Mason Miller has been diagnosed with a mild UCL sprain in his right elbow. He's going to be shut down from throwing for a while, but the A's believe Miller will return this season. Not sure that I completely buy that, but uh, we honestly have no idea when Mason Miller could return. 
there's no such thing as a mild UCL sprain for a, a pitcher, but especially one who throws 102 miles an hour. So, yeah, if we see him at all this year, I think that's a win. If you need an IL spot or you play in a league that doesn't have IL spots, I think you could I, yeah, go ahead drop and drop him. Mason Miller. Mm-hmm. It turns out the Yankees are big old cheaters after all, as Domingo Herman was ejected because of a substance found on his hand, and he got accused of this earlier in the year, and for whatever reason, just continued to use that substance. And here well, you go. They, they let him get away with it last time. They yeah. let him just watch it. It was the same umpiring crew uh, as tonight's start, apparently. So so weird. That's, yeah, that's... Also, the uh, the Blue Jays pitcher, I can't remember his name, but the guy who gave up the home run to Aaron Judge, I saw a headline that he he was tip, tipping his pitches last night. So, oh, the, much to do about nothing. Oh, I'm, oh, the home run from yesterday, not tonight. Yeah, Aaron yeah, Judge yeah. is just homering every day. Like, I, I oh, can't yeah, keep yeah, up. He's, he's, he's pretty good. He is pretty good. I mean, just like the biggest non-story story that I've ever seen with that whole like Aaron Judge situation. Uh, anyway, Domingo Herman will be suspended for 10 games. Liam Hendricks will make another rehab appearance at AAA on Thursday. And he's struggled so far, which is totally reasonable given the circumstances. He has an 11.25 ERA in five appearances in the minors. Yandy Diaz was out of the lineup again Tuesday. Not again, just for the first time, uh, with left groin tightness. Jose Ramirez was placed on the bereavement list, and prospect Brian Rocchio was recalled as a result. Sounds like it'll only be a few days for uh, Rocchio to be up with the team. Maybe he'll appear in a game this time. Uh, I think he actually had a pinch hit appearance. Oh, did he? I thought he, I thought he got called up and didn't even play. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that was the last time he got called up, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Corey Seager was not activated Tuesday because of a stomach bug. Josh Naylor exited with left leg tightness. He was replaced by Gabriel Arias in that one. Wade Miley left his start with a left latch strain. Carlos Carrasco will likely return to the Mets rotation Friday against who? The Guardians revenge game for Carlos Carrasco. Walker Bueller said he's aiming for a return to the mound on September 1st, considering he had Tommy John in August of last year. September of this year sounds pretty aggressive. And I I think the thing to keep in mind there would be if his return to the mound lines up with the end of the the minor league season, it might be a situation where like, that's the only opportunity to get him in games. Yeah. You know, because there was someone that that happened with last year. I can't remember who it was, but someone returned from Tommy John surgery without going to the minors or some serious injury. And I think that was the situation. So that could be the timing there. And it wouldn't surprise me if it's as a reliever as well, not even yeah. uh, as a starter there for Walker Bueller. Kyle Hendricks will make at least one more rehab start in the minors before returning to the Cubs. Omar Nervaez will begin a rehab assignment next week. And Scott, are you worried about that potentially affecting Francisco Alvarez? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think it was going to happen this soon. And Alvarez has been swinging the bat well, so maybe he's... he's uh, earned a bigger share of the starts from behind the plate, but it, it really comes down to how comfortable are the Mets with him defensively. And I haven't, I haven't seen too many reports saying so saying they are, or they aren't, you know, the fact he's a 21 year old handling the costliest pitching staff in major league history. I just made up that stat, but I'm pretty sure it's true. <laughs> That's it's certainly sounded right. And you said it with conviction. Yeah. Um, he's are pretty expensive too. Um. Yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, I, I I just moved Francisco Alvarez up to 12th in my rest of season catcher rankings because I've been so excited by how much he's been playing, how well he's been hitting. But this this throws a wrinkle in that, and I think we just have to wait and see how it plays out. Take this for whatever it's worth, but according to Sackcast, Francisco Alvarez 90th percentile in framing so far this season. Oh. So. Pretty good stuff. Well, I wasn't Did, expecting you to say that. He has not had a DH appearance yet, right? I don't believe he has. Yeah, I don't think he... Last I checked, which was over the weekend, he hadn't. And that was the one thing that they said when he got called up was, you know, we're not going to use him at DH at first, but he could force our hand. And hopefully that's what happens, right? Hopefully it's like, maybe it's a 40-60 split at catcher, or maybe it's a 50-50 split, but then he gets a start or two a week at, at DH and you can you know, basically just keep him in your catcher spot. I'm hoping that's what happens. Lastly, Rangers pitching prospect Kumar Rocker will have Tommy John surgery later this week. 
A few pitchers got knocked around on Tuesday night. I only wrote down two of them here. See if you have any thoughts on these two. Luis Castillo hit hard at the Red Sox. Five innings, seven runs, five of those earned. Three homers allowed in this start. Uh, The velocity was actually up across the board. 11 hard hits, 98.1 average exit velocity against Castillo. And over his last five starts, a 567 ERA, a 144 whip. And Justin Verlander, only his third start back with the Mets, but uh, didn't look too good up against the Rays. Five innings, six runs, two homers allowed in that one. Scott, any thoughts on uh, Castillo or Verlander? I mean, not any, not huge concerns. Luis Castillo, this is this is a longer rough patch than we usually see from a pitcher. His caliber, five straight non-quality starts, four of them um, just five innings in length, not, not going to minimum even for a quality start. And he, 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 he seems to be changing his pitch mix a lot. Really, that's, that's happened ever since he joined the Mariners and he got a two-seamer to go with that four-seamer and uh, more confidence in the slider. The changeup used to be his bread and butter and he's, he doesn't throw it that often I mean, his the, yeah. sl- the change of usage this season before tonight had been like 15 percent. it was actually 30 yeah. percent tonight so yeah so and, and the slider was getting hit hard so it made sense that he was turning to the change up obviously it didn't help the results but i mean i i think it's just i think it's something he's going to pull out of obviously he looked great at the start of the year and um we've seen him struggle for stretches before so i i wouldn't freak out over him verlander the fact that you know, obviously he's forty, and um, and he's coming back from what? What was the injury he had again? It was a subscapular strain. So was think, yeah, like what was, Brandon Woodruff had? No, I think it was, it was like the major terrace. It's like a muscle. In it was your a legit pitching shoulder. Injury. Yeah, yeah. So like, how is he really one hundred percent? How well does a forty-year-old recover in general from injuries like that? I think these are fair questions. He was great in his last start. Average exit velocity against him in this start was, you know, fine. He gave up a couple home runs, but 86.3 is, you know, nothing wrong with that. So, again, I want to freak out, but I, I think I think there's more cause for concern with Justin Verlander than Castillo. <laughs> a few pitching leftovers from Tuesday night. Josiah Gray has allowed three earned runs or fewer in eight straight starts. He was at the Marlins, seven innings, two runs, Five strikeouts in that one. On the other side, Jesus Lazardo, six innings, one run, seven strikeouts with 16 swinging strikes. Kevin Gosman racks up another 10 strikeouts up against the Yankees. He went seven innings, three runs. Two of those were earned, 16 more swinging strikes for him. And uh, Christian Javier makes it three straight quality starts. He was facing the Cubs, six innings, one run, Five strikeouts for him. Chris, anything you'd like to add on Javier Gosman, Lazardo, and Josiah Gray? Not on Javier Gosman and Lazardo. I think those guys are all awesome. Uh, Lazardo, the only question is whether he can stay healthy, which you know keeps him in. For me, it, it's more like the low-end SP3, high-end SP4 range of my rankings, but it's one of those where it's like, while he's pitching, he might be a top 25 guy. It's just, I think last season was the first time he's thrown 100 innings since he was like 23 or something. It's been a long time. Um, Josiah Gray, you know, Scott, you mentioned earlier, blanking on which pitcher we were talking about. Uh, Dane Dunning, you know, might be one of the like Merrill Kelly types. I just think Josiah Gray is kind of turning into that type, which is in some ways a little bit disappointing because we had high expectations for him and we hoped that he could, you know, break out and, and harness some of the swing and miss potential and become a better strikeout pitcher. But like, I don't know if it's fair to expect that at this point, you know, the cutter introduction has mostly served to limit the amount of hard contact that he gives up rather than, you know, taking his game to another level in terms of swings and misses. But like, you know, the 296 year 273 ERA is backed up by like a 360 X ERA, which that's not great. You would expect some regression, but it's a significant improvement from what we've seen. And I think it makes Josiah Gray a useful fantasy option on a better team. He'd be even more useful, uh, but it's, you know, I think a, a low ceiling, but I'm starting to think he might be like a, a relatively high floor type of pitcher. 
I'm a little more worried about Gray. If you look at the the whip is 1.35. Fip sure, and, yeah, that's FIP and XFIP don't trust it, and the walks are really high, 3.8 walks per nine. I have to imagine at some point those are going to come back to bite Josiah Gray. Uh, I was going to say, like, can you get anything for him in a trade right now? I, I, I don't think so, but I might I, look around and see. I think it's reasonable to try to trade him, but I, I, I'm a little more, I, I have a little more confidence in him, you know, pitching closer to like the mid to high threes than, you know, a, a, a low fours or mid fours ERA like his fit might suggest. All right. A few hitting leftovers. Aaron Judge locked in, as we mentioned earlier, and now has five home runs in his last four games. Nolan Arenado has homered in five straight. And Esteri Ruiz becomes the first player to 20 steals this season and is currently on pace for 73 steals. A few more. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to get an 80 guy this year. I want 80. Uh, I just shout Esteri Ruiz for also leading the majors and hit by pitch. Uh, he's got nine of them, only six walks. <laughs> nice. Love that. Love a guy who does that. That's a legitimate skill. And it's helping keep his OBP more than respectable at 330. That's 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 Zach, downright decent. Zach Neto's got to be outpacing him with the hit by pitches. Yeah, he's got like five or six, right? He's seven. Oh, wow. In 28 games. Yeah. Love it. Scott, I was going to say, uh, obviously every team faces each other at least once this year. If the A's match up with a series against the Dodgers and they face Noah Syndergaard, Esteri Ruiz. Yeah, he might, might he might get to eighty. He might just get to eighty steals this year. I think Syndergaard's already given up eleven. Oh gosh. Oh man. What's oh, wow? I, I was watching the Dodgers game earlier too, and Austin Barnes cannot throw to second base. It is a problem. I like he does like the sidearm or like submarine throw from no. from catcher, and like the Twins were just running wild on him. So. Uh, if anyone is out there, if you want to bet on like stolen base props, do it when Austin Barnes is uh, is the catcher. Yeah, Syndergaard's given up 10 without a caught stealing so far. Yeah, it's rough. A few bullpen updates for the Nationals. Kyle Finnegan worked in the eighth inning with a two-run lead facing five, six, and seven in the Marlins lineup. And then Hunter Harvey got the ninth. It seemed like, okay, maybe this is kind of a passing of the torch. Maybe Hunter Harvey's the closer. He gave up a three-run walk-off homer to Jorge Soler. Chris... Just another one-run victory for your Miami Marlins. I don't they, know how they're doing it, they, but they're doing it. They did finally lose a one-run game. They're now 13-1, and one, and I think they're 500 now. That's crazy. That's uh, alarming. Jorge, Worst run differential in the National League. Jorge Soler, by the way, one of the most visually appealing home run swings in all yeah. of baseball. It's just oh, so vicious. I love it. Yeah, that home run in Game 6 of the World Series. It hasn't landed Two years yet, Scott. Ago. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, yeah, that's 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 an image that will never leave my mind. It, it, it should not. For the Rangers, Will Smith struck out one for his eighth save. He's up to 68% rostered, and if you need saves or you just yep. need a, a reliever in a points league, yes, go out and add Will Smith. For the Yankees, Clay Holmes pitched in the eighth with a two-run lead facing the heart of the Blue Jays lineup, four, five, and six. Wandy Peralta once, once again got the ninth. He walked one, but picked up his third save in the past five games. I think this is a pretty open committee right now. It's Peralta. Yeah. It's Michael King. Maybe Clay Holmes works back in. But uh, if you're desperate for saves in a deeper league, Wandy Peralta is 14% rostered. For the Reds, Alexis Diaz picked up his 10th save. For the Giants, Camilo Duvall gave up a solo home run, but picked up his 10th save. And Scott Barlow also picked up his fifth save. To stream or not to stream, let's take a look at Wednesday. And uh, actually, I guess I could put Matthew Liberator in this mix, too. If you guys have any interest in that, he's going up against the Marlins. Mm. Uh, not the Marlins, the <laughs> Brewers, excuse me. Um, no. I mentioned no, they're, they're really bad against lefties, the Brewers. That's true. That is true. So maybe it's something you can look at. Uh, I, I mentioned Brian Bayo yesterday. He's going up against the Mariners. I like that yeah. one. Look, I don't love the concept of starting a guy right after he's called up, but I don't love the concept of streamer pitchers in the first place. So <laughs> I will say Mike Clevenger's been pretty underwhelming, but uh, Cleveland with no Jose, I mean, this has been a historically bad offense so far, and now they don't have Jose Ramirez. So it's a good point. I, I, I would be surprised if he didn't have a good start. Okay. Mm. So Clevenger, yeah. Bayo, and Scott, kind of a, a maybe on Libertor? 
I think yesterday when we were looking at Wednesday slate, I said Edward Cabrera against the Nationals. I think so too. Somebody I'd think about. And now you've thought about it. Well, look, I don't actually want to start any of these guys, but that's that's not the game we're playing here. Well, Scott, I changed up the whole way we do this so that you don't say no to every pitcher anymore. All right, exactly. Uh, let's get it to Thursday. Lots of Tylers. Um, uh, Tyler Wells, I'll mention, he's up to 77% rostered. So if he's available up against the Angels, I think that's fine. And that's it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's Thursday's a pretty yeah. short slate, so it's it's bad. I, I, I guess the fact it's in Baltimore helps Tyler Wells' case. I mean, the Angels you know, have some thunderous hitters in their lineup, and he gives a lot of up a lot of fly balls. But hey, I recommended Bailey Ober against the Dodgers, so why not Taylor Wells against the Angels? Similar I, profiles there. Ober with I a little ass- more strikeout potential. I assume Yuri Perez is too rostered now to count yeah. for this because he's yeah, up he's, to I think eighty five percent. Yeah, yeah. So. It's uh, Tyler Wells or Bust on Thursday. We're going to wrap there for Scott and Chris. I am Frank. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. 